This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. This is the Learn Jazz Standards Podcast, episode 115. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Check, check, check it out. What's up? My name is Brent. I am the jazz musician behind LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. Hey, welcome, everybody. Whether this is your first time ever listening to the show, or if you're a regular listener, I want to thank you so much. I I appreciate you for just uh, being here, hanging out with me, and uh, taking a little time out of your week just to uh, learn alongside of me. And so I appreciate it. I don't take it for granted. And on today's episode 115, I did have an episode planned that was more music theory based, uh, but it got me thinking since we had such a heavy music theory episode uh, last week, which was an awesome episode, by the way, 114 with uh, Dan Carrillo, special guest Dan Carrillo, talking about minor tonality. Such a great episode, but a heady episode. And uh, as I was thinking about today's episode, I thought it would be great to talk about how to balance music theory and playing by ear. Because, you know, sometimes we get overwhelmed with one or the other. Sometimes we get overwhelmed with uh, there being too much music theory to think about when it comes to jazz. Sometimes we get, uh, you know, banged over the head as well with, you know, learn jazz solos by ear, learn learn, uh, jazz standards by ear, all these things by ear, right? We get hammered on both sides of the spectrum. So I thought it'd be great to talk today a little bit about that, how we can balance that out and the importance of doing both of them. And so that's what we're going to have in store for today's show. So stick around, make sure you listen to the end. But hey, before we get started here, if you've been listening to the show for a while, but you've never subscribed on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening service, now's the time to hit that subscribe button. Make sure you're not missing any of these episodes that are coming out. Make sure you're checking this stuff out because uh, I don't want you to miss out on all the goodies that we have to offer on this podcast, all the special guests that we have coming out. So hit subscribe. All right, let's jump in to today's topic. So it's been a lot of fun over the last, uh, I think it's been a few months now, uh, since we've opened up our Learn Jazz Standards Facebook community group, which, it, by the way, if you're not a part of that, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of cool uh, conversations going where people are using uh, the hashtag ask or the hashtag tip to ask questions or give tips to each other. And it's just been a really fun place for everybody to support each other. And, you know, there are you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people who listen to the show and who uh, follow our blog 
and they're all getting together and they're communicating with each other. And that's really exciting for me. Um, so if you want to get involved with that, that's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash community. You'll be directed to that closed Facebook group and you can, uh, you know, ask to be let into that uh, just, just exclusively for being a podcast listener. Um, but inside of this group, I've been noticing that, you know, the, the ones that tend to love to talk the most are the more advanced musicians in the group. You know, someone who may be a little bit of a, a beginner or intermediate, you know, ask a question and then you get a flood of people who are a little more advanced, which is really uh, amazing. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate all those people who are interacting and, and helping out uh, everybody else. Uh, one thing I noticed, though, is that a lot of people give very music theory centered answers to things. We start talking really quickly about secondary dominance and backdoor dominance and, you know, the, the modes of the melodic minor and uh, modal interchange, all these things that uh, are can be really heady and they're important topics, but they're very music theory based. Um, and all that stuff is really important. The reason they're mentioning these things is because they are indeed really helpful topics that can help us understand things. At the same time, there's this other side of it where sometimes, uh, you know, we have this situation where the answer that people want to give is just listen to more music, uh, just learn more jazz solos, uh, you know, do, do more ear training, do all, all this stuff that has more to do with listening and ear and, uh, you know, learning the language uh, in, in more of a creative sense and more of an internalization sense rather than analyzing and trying to pick apart the science behind everything. And there's kind of these two different types of answers that float around that I'm seeing in the community, but not only that, you know, things I get with emails from subscribers and, you know, just think just from being around in the music scene, just hearing different conversations about music and different ideologies and, and, and philosophies on how to learn music. And at the two extremes, I find that there is in, in the jazz world, there is a group of people sometimes that are very, uh, you know, jazz is not about you know, theory or being bogged down by rules or it shouldn't be this, you know, edu you know, education focused, you know, systematic approach. You know, it needs to be that's not the spirit of the music. You know, you need to be learning it by ear and you need to be listening and it's about expression and self expression. And, you know, if we get bogged down with us this theory, it's gonna hold us back from doing that. And then you get this other group of people that are a lot more academic usually, and they're really focusing in on music theory, understanding the systems behind it, and uh, you know, really get inside of that. Now, on the two extremes, there are risks with both of them. Uh, on one side of the spectrum, there's the risk of you know ignoring theory completely and not trying to understand how things work. And then on the other side of things, there's this this potential of becoming robotic because everything is approached uh, with this theoretical analytical mindset. So there's dangers to both. But I think that if we combine both of them in a healthy balance, we're probably going to be uh, better off than leveling to one of those extremes. So let's go over each one of these really quick. 
uh, the, let's, let's view them as two sides, even though at the end of the day, like I said, I don't want them to be two separate things, but let's view them that way for a second. So let's talk about music theory, why you should be learning music theory, what it's important for. And then let's talk about the, the ear side, you know, learning things by ear, learning the language that way and, and its benefits and why you should be doing that. So let's start with music theory really quickly. Now, music theory, like I said, is kind of the scientific approach. It's the analytical approach trying to understand how things work. So if we have uh, you know, a tune like Autumn Leaves, for example, uh, that's just an easy one to use an example, um, we can learn the chords by ear. We can, we can do all that stuff, and that's, that's the right way, in my opinion, to learn a tune. But it's important and it's helpful to understand how those chord progressions work because if we can understand how that harmony works, then we can become better improvisers over top of it. It's that knowledge is power uh, thought process there that if you understand the inner workings of something, um, then it's going to help you express better. Uh, For example, you know, when you first learned, you know, um, English may not be your uh, primary language, but whatever language, um, you know, you, you, whatever is your primary language, I'm sure everybody, when they were in elementary school, uh, and they were, they were learning in my case, English and, and how to write and how to read and, and how to properly construct sentences, you know, things were really picked apart. You learned about adjectives, you learned about prepositional phrases, uh, all this stuff that, you know, now, when I'm talking, I'm not thinking to myself, um, you know, these sorts of really, uh, you know, analytical things about how to build a sentence and how to construct it and, you know, why you put this word here and why there's these different rules for the English language. Like, you know, I don't think about those things at all anymore, right? I mean, in fact, I would say those things at this point are useless to me, but those were really helpful back then and they were foundational for understanding the structure of something, which in turn has made it so much easier to communicate. You know, maybe we don't think about that. We take that for granted. But the reason that's part of the educational process while you're young and you're a developing student is because those things help you uh, understand the structure, the base structure of something. So it's the same thing with theory too. Like for example... If I have a minor major seventh chord, let's say it's a C minor major seven. So sounds like that. Okay, it's that chord. Well, the first question that that should come in everybody's head, because you know, you, you see that on a chord chart, or you hear that chord, and you want to know how to approach that or how to even play it or improvise over it. Well, the first question is what makes up uh, a minor major seventh chord? How do you construct it? Well, so you find out that it's root... It's, it's a flat three, minor third, it's a fifth, and it's a major seven, right? Right, so you learn all those chord tones, and now you understand how to actually construct that, whether you're a, a chordal instrument or not, you know how that is built, okay? And then the, the next question that might come after that is, well, okay, so what other notes can I play? What are the pitch collections I can use? And there's a lot of different ways to conceptualize that, but one way to conceptualize that is to say, well, hey, let's talk about the melodic minor scale. So you have the minor major seventh chord, and you can play... Right? Those sounds outline that chord. 
So then you can start figuring out how to play music over top of that. You know, I mean, you can start trying to make actual melodic lines out of that stuff. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, do we want to be thinking melodic minor? No, we don't want to be. When you're in actual improvisation setting, you don't want to be thinking, oh, here we are. It's the minor major seventh chord. Time to play melodic minor or time to play the the chord tones one flat three five major seven. No, no, you don't want to do that. What you want to do is just play those sounds uh, and create melodies from that stuff. But it can be helpful if we take a step back and try to figure out what what way we can we conceptualize that, what pitches can we use over top of that. But then there's even more questions that arise is, you know, well, that's just one isolated chord. What came before that chord? You know, for example, it's pretty common in this situation that there would be a five chord resolving to that as a one chord. The C minor major seven is the one chord. So we got a... A G7 alt going to a C minor major 7. So, right? So we have that resolution sound. Well, that's going to influence your line too. And so, you know, how, how do you play? What can you play over a G7 alt or a G7 flat 9? You know, you can play the altered scale. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a way to conceptualize. Again, I like to think of scales as pitch collections, not necessarily as notes you play in a particular order, but they're a map of the notes that you can use. Um, you know, another example of how to conceptualize something is in the last episode, episode 114, Dan Carrillo talked about if I think we, he was using an example of A minor, if you have uh, the seventh chord is an A flat diminished going into an A minor seventh chord. So it's to the A minor. Well, really, you can think of playing over top of that A flat diminished seven. You can think of just playing uh, an A harmonic minor. So, okay, so A flat diminished seven going to an A minor seven. So, right, resolving to the A minor seven. So that's a A harmonic minor played over top of an A flat diminished seven. Well, that's one way to think about it because it's that pull from the five. It's that five to one sound. And if you think about it. A flat diminished seven is uh, really like an E seven flat nine. That's it's really kind of the same thing if you really think about it. And what is E seven flat nine? It's the five chord moving to the the one, the A minor seven, right? So everything is con- like, and that's another set of theory there, right? How uh, dominant seven flat nine chords are related to diminished chords, right? So it's all these different ways of thinking about it. And the more of this theory stuff you learn, sometimes you learn something, it doesn't really click, but other times you do learn a theory concept and it's like, bingo, hey, that makes so much sense to me and that helps me understand this concept so much better. And it's not that you want to think about that while you're improvising, but by slowing down and taking the time to look at that, it can be very helpful. Um, And it's the same thing with, uh, you know, analyzing the core progressions of jazz standards. Like I talked a little bit about Autumn Leaves earlier. You know, if we want to understand a tune, like, let's say, let's, let's not do Autumn Leaves. Let's say Stella by Starlight. You know, that's a really complex tune. 
So if you want to understand that, you know, it's helpful to break things down with Roman numerals and understand how chord progressions work and all this stuff so that you can start figuring out how those chords actually connect together because those are those are a big, weird, jumbled mess of chords unless you kind of somewhat understand what's going on there. Uh, that's why I made my my new ebook and companion course, The Jazz Standards Playbook, where I go over these 10 in-depth studies of jazz standards where we do Roman numeral analysis. We map out the guide tones. We map out the chord tones. We do an improv lesson over top of that. And we, you know, we do all these studies uh, that are that have a lot to do with theory because they help us, you know, look underneath the hood of that jazz standard to understand it a little bit better. So music theory is helpful for all of those things. You know, it helps us uh, conceptualize things differently. And there's so I'll give you one more example of how you can conceptualize something. So if we have um, a B flat major seven flat five chord, okay, sounds like this. Okay, something like that. Well, the common go-to for that is to use the Lydian mode. So the Lydian mode would be this. But what if you could conceptualize it differently and still accomplish a similar goal here? So let's play an A minor pentatonic over top of that chord. So here it is. And then here's the A minor pentatonic. Right? You can hear that sound. That sound is still there because it's hitting all of those notes that we want to be hit, but it's conceptualizing it a totally different way. On one hand, we have the Lydian mode, which is based off a of major scale, and now we have this A minor pentatonic scale, a five-note scale that we're thinking about it. So we're playing essentially a major seven flat five chord, but we're starting a minor pentatonic scale a half step down from it. That's an example I always like to use because it's just another way to think about it. It's not necessarily um, a right or wrong way. It's just another way to think about how to do that. And again, it's not that I want to be thinking a minor pentatonic over top of that. I want to be hearing those sounds, but by breaking it apart, it helps to kind of get that foundation of understanding, okay? That's music theory. That's why it's important. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, we have learning jazz language by ear, which is insanely important, right? I mean, that's you've heard it preached all the time on this podcast, on our blog, on our videos, if you follow Learn Jazz Standards closely, learning jazz solos by ear, learning uh, learning jazz standards by ear. And then we go into ear training because, you know, you have to have, to have the ears in order to do that. You know, all this kind of stuff is really preached um, on this medium. And the reason that's important is not only because the tradition of the music is such that it is learned by ear, um, it is that improvised music and especially jazz requires a set of language skills. And in order to learn that language, um, you do 
have to just get immersed in it, be listening to it, and mimicking what other musicians are doing. And that's the only way you'll ever really get the music is if you're doing that. And again, the danger with all that is some people will take that to the extreme and go, well, then all I need to do is transcribe solos all day long. And all I need to do is learn licks. And all I need to do is just listen and just jam on tunes. And and that's a really great thing to do. But then you can kind of forget about that analyzing part there. But it's important to be doing this stuff to get that language in your ear. Um, for example, if I'm just uh, you know improvising a little bit, Like none of that was scales. None of that was, you know, I'm not thinking any theory there. That That's just simply me having learned jazz language, me just, you know, understanding these chord progressions and just improvising. I'm not thinking about any of those things at all. And that can really only come from learning stuff by ear, from listening to the music, from just internalizing it and always trying to improve upon your ability to express that language. And so that's why it's so important. So if we can combine those two things to balance, I think it's really great. Um, Okay. And so let's talk a little bit about that balancing process, you know, how, so we don't overload ourselves with one or the other. Um, in back in episode 88, I talked about my list process for learning jazz language by ear. And I was really honing in on solos, but it also applies to learning tunes. It's, it's a uh, listen, internalize, sing and transfer. And pretty much all of that has to do with aural skills, uh, learning things by ear, internalizing that language. But since then, um, I've also taught it as the lists process with an S at the end. So it's L-I-S-T-S. And that S stands for study. Um, In other words, analyzing. So whether it's a solo, whether it's a jazz standard, but really taking a deeper look at that material and trying to understand how it actually works. So if you kind of just think about all of this stuff in that lists process, then it kind of combines the best of both worlds there because you're allowing whatever material you're learning, you're allowing yourself to learn it by ear and that way you internalize it better, that way it sinks into your subconscious more and that's obviously what we want when it comes to improvising. But at the end, you're taking the time to study it to understand it better, right? You're taking that extra step to analyze the material, understand how the progressions work, understand maybe some scales that you can apply over different situations, and note map things. In other words, that S at the end of the list process, the study, it kind of ties everything together. The process isn't quite complete without it, and when you take that extra step to go into the science of how things work to try to find things to conceptualize the language you've just learned, then it ties everything together. It completes the circuit. 
So if in our practice sessions, we're always approaching things from that mindset, like learning this by ear, internalizing this, but then at the end of that, we're always asking the question, now, how does that actually work? Um, you know, I am really into cooking. Cooking is something I really like to do. It's like, it's kind of like, I guess you could call it my hobby and I get the opportunity to cook quite a bit. And I, I particularly like French cooking. I mean, I like cooking all kinds of food, but I like French cooking because there really is a lot of technique to it. But at the same time, it's it's so creative too. There's so many things you can do. You know, you can flavor the sauces the way you want to flavor the sauces. You can, you know, there's all kinds of different approaches that you can take your own liberty. In fact, I pretty much never follow a recipe verbatim, right? That's that spirit of improvisation, that spirit of jazz that I guess lives in me is, you know, taking that recipe or, or multiple recipes and combining things together. But at the end of the day, there's these specific, if you want to make really good food, there are specific techniques that you, you can follow. Like if you want to know how to make a good, uh, make a roux, to, I mean, to make a sauce, then you have to know how to make a roux and, you know, all these different things uh, that you need to be able to do in order to do it correctly to get rich flavor, uh, to get good tasting food. There's actual technique behind it. There's theory behind it. It's not just, you know, I I feel that this is what I should do or, you know, there, there are things in there that if you want to do it on a high level, you have to learn those techniques, you know, because everything, even the subtle things do make a big difference. So I think cooking is actually a really great example for how we need to balance our practice sessions is, yeah, we need that creativity. We need that mimicking process. We need that uh, spirit of adding your own voice in there, adding your own improvisation. But you also, at the same time, need to kind of look at the foundation, the, 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 the theory, the technique of how to actually execute those things at as well. Okay. So that's what I want to say about all this today. I want to just say that yes, theory is important. And yes, learning language by ear is important. But alone, if you do one on its own or you overemphasize one, it, it can kind of start to defeat the overarching idea. Um, and, you know, I talked to some other um, online. Uh, people in the online music education space that are outside of the jazz realm. And one thing that I've heard uh, time and time again is that a lot of their subscribers, a lot of their audience is intimidated by jazz because it seems like you have to have a ton of theory knowledge and all this stuff to even get it at all. And the truth is that there is a level of that that, yes, we need to be diving into, but it's not all about that. And sometimes we make it all about that, and it shouldn't be. On the other hand, there's some people that make it all about learning things by ear, all about just hearing solos and learning, and then you'll finally get it. And that doesn't resonate with those people either because it's it's like, well, I'm not getting it. I just I keep listening and all this stuff. But yeah, they need some basic theory. They need to understand how to build chords. They need to understand how to voice lead into chord progressions. There's all these things that they need to get as well. So if we, you know, like a recipe, like a good recipe, if we combine the right things together, you can get a really good full musical jazz education if you combine those together. All right, that's all for today's show. I want to thank you so much for listening, and I hope some of this helped you just to get that frame of mind that we need of that balancing act between 
those two things. And, you know, if you are interested in really analyzing things a little further, analyzing jazz standards, trying to get inside some of this jazz theory that can help us become better improvisers, I want you to check out uh, our latest ebook and companion course called The Jazz Standards Playbook. Uh, I mentioned it earlier in the show. It's an in-depth study of 10 jazz standards. Uh, These jazz standards, if you know them, if you really get inside of them and understand them really well, um, it can make learning any other jazz standards so much easier. And this is really where we do get into that process of really analyzing and, and digging deep into some of this stuff that can help unlock some of those closed doors in our jazz improvisation. So if you want to do that, you want to check that book and that companion course out, go to thejazzstandardsplaybook.com, thejazzstandardsplaybook.com, and uh, you can check that out there. And one last thing, you know what's coming up if you've been listening. I always ask it, and if you haven't done it yet, make sure you do it. Make sure you leave us a rating and review on iTunes, a kind rating and review, or your favorite podcast listening service uh, just helps other people uh, finding this show know this is a show worth listening to. So go and leave your rating and review. Thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate it. So I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. We're going to be having episode 116. See you then. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask. That's LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.